Man, I got a haircut. Looks pretty good. Finally, I was overdue. Must say. Oh, just you, did, you did? Can't you tell? Anyway. Uh, He's also wearing garbage as clothes. So. A great shirt that I'm wearing. Just happens to have a big hole in the elbow. Some added ventilation. Uh... <laughs> Iron Brains, a podcast with just one host who has still yet to fall ill with the COVID-19 coronavirus, a feat of such impressive immunological supremacy that only one valid conclusion can possibly be reached. Yes, I am invincible. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing tonight, Lori? I have some things to say. Lori has some things to say. Tonight is Monday, March twenty seventh, twenty twenty three. Last week we silenced female voices by not having the COVID infected Lori on the program. But she's back tonight, and she's got things to say, Laura, so go go right ahead. Okay. So I listened to your fucking boring podcast. No, you didn't. And That's a I lie. Did. Yeah, you, <laughs> so, I had to hector you about it in order to get you to no, listen to it. So you had to get me to listen to the whole thing. Um, the We are never getting rid of YouTube TV unless something better comes along that's just the same. And just that you went on as though... It was a possibility before you checked yourself before saying, like, oh, this is ridiculous. But, like, absolutely fucking not. You could cancel it for two months and not even notice. You can get a job. You, yeah, but it could be. This is the thing that always drives me crazy. Oh, I, that drives you crazy. I would notice getting a job. Everyone would notice that I got a job. Uh, rest assured. But I would notice. If we canceled YouTube TV for the next two months, I... Really don't think you would even notice. I don't I know. Would. What, what What would you miss? You don't even know. I was at my mom's house and I was able to just log into my YouTube TV. Is that going to happen again? I was in a hotel last weekend and I was able to log into my yes, YouTube TV. Yes, but why? TV. What did you watch? You spent the Vanderpump week with rules. coronavirus. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I'll bet you that's on Hulu, first of all. Secondly. Okay, and like I said, if you want to switch to something that's the same, that's different. That's not the same. No, no, I mean it's on like Hulu garbage for $7 a month that we pay, not $75 a month. Anyway. Anyway. Go ahead. Shut up. Um... Basketball is a bad game. That's the problem with basketball. <laughs> it went on too long. That was a long conversation that should have ended at basketball sucks. Disagree. Right amount of time spent discussing um, basketball. And I was, my day one was Monday. So Monday was my day seven. You were, mis, you were mischaracterizing me. Oh, uh, did the math wrong? You did the math wrong. No, what I said that I was on five or six on your Monday, that's what we were discussing. You didn't remember exactly when I started feeling bad, and you shouldn't, but here I am remembering. And also, yeah, how dare you guys talk about the DC sniper without me around? That sucks. (laughs) We didn't discuss it I was in the car today on the way from getting blood taken at the doctor to go to work. And I was, like, so mad at what I was hearing because 
This is why I don't care about getting feedback about the podcast because it uh, doesn't feel oh, great this is good. when it happens. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a mistake that I've been making thinking that I wanted feedback about my podcast all this time. I'm glad trimming you didn't listen. Some Never fat. mind. Yeah, trimming some fat is always uh, welcome and constructive feedback, you know. I clearly listened. Disagree. I think I just proved that I listened. Two hours and 15 minutes is a perfectly acceptable amount of time for a weekly podcast given the. It's the amount of quality that's crammed in there and all of the all of the preparation that we do to make sure this works. When I go to our uh, mutual show note, it's supposed to have the stories of the week to talk about, and it hasn't been updated since, like, September of last year or something like that. Whenever. Anyway, <laughs> Abe has how I was feeling, yeah, yeah. and I'm feeling really fine now. Lori's fine. Nice. Like, nothing ever happened. I didn't exercise for, like, two weeks, so that's not good, but I exercised today. So I feel better. Oh, that's good. The kids and I never got the goddamn virus. It was amazing. We are. Oh, that's great. Uh, spectacularly lucky. But uh, also, he did start to feel sick. I did. I didn't feel great like last. He sounded like Wednesday. Me. He sounded on Wednesday when I finally came home. Like I sounded on Monday, where it was just like, oh. ooh, not great. And then scratchy throat, slightly run down, yeah. and then I was fine. And then Bob got to rest. Bob got to lay down at home and rest. Where in when I was in that state, I went to work a ten-hour day. Oh, I see. So that, you know, that's the difference there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah, sure, I rested. I think I. I worked for ten. hours. I lay prone for an ad- an additional two hours of my life that I normally would not. If that's, I mean, otherwise my schedule was exactly the same. And the amount of rest that that does or does not include, I suppose, is up to everyone else's imagination and interpretation. But uh, (laughs) I turned out fine. And what ends up happening, because careful listeners of the show, of which there are many, will remember that I was worried about uh, us missing bingo night at at the the school. The school had their PTO silent auction and bingo night. And uh, my concern was that we were going to fall ill right before this big event. They haven't had it since 2019 because it, it's scheduled for this like third week in March every year, which you'll remember in 2020 uh, was when shit got weird. And right. in the last couple of years, shit has still been weird enough to not do this apparently. Uh, but we did it again this year. And on Thursday night, Calvin comes home from school that day and he's like, I got a bellyache. I was like, oh, great. And Thursday night at 10.30, he gets out of bed and yaks all over the like oh, in the, no. in the toilet. He, 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 like a true champion, uh, made it to the toilet. Uh, what all, discipline. Yeah, very well done by him. I had the foresight to put him in the guest room bed instead of let him sleep in his bunk bed. Uh, because if you're feeling pukey and you got to climb down from the bunk yeah. bed... Uh, it's not a good mix. It's an additional yeah. amount of work uh, that might result in disgusting puke all over the carpet or something. So, uh, good foresight by me. Good job by him puking in the toilet. But uh, that probably meant that he wasn't going to go to. He definitely wasn't going to school on Friday, and it probably meant that he was going to end up missing the fucking bingo night that he'd been so excited so for sad. for so long. But he ended up being fine. Like he puked, and then the next day he was basically fine. I kept him home from school anyway. And then by mid-afternoon, he was, like, sort of bouncing off the walls. So it was time to—it was fine to bring him to the bingo night anyway. And we never tested— Also on Friday? That the, It was, like, later on that yeah, same Yeah, it was day? a Friday evening uh, thing. Okay. So it, it was fine. Raised, like, $8,500 for the 
the PTO up there made a pretty penny for the. No kidding. Yeah. Any fancy uh, items? The fanciest item, or the the big ticket item every year, or at least the two years that I've been there, is a year of gigabit fiber internet from the uh, local internet company that we actually use, this Ting company. They give away a year. The minimum bid starts at, I think, $200. And then as long as it stays under like $1,100, it's a value, right? So oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, granted, you are paying out a big fat pile of cash in the moment, but then you just don't pay your internet bill for the next year. It's for new and existing customers, obviously. And it, it goes for a large amount right. of money. And right. I bid 850 bucks for it. And it was at that point I was, I wasn't going any higher because like 850 bucks is a, it's a big pile of money to fork over all at well, once, have it. but the money's just sitting in the checking account anyway. So like what, you know, whatever. Uh, and then somebody ends up winning it. I think it ended up going for uh, $901 or something like that. So This may uh, may have been explained to me before, but I, I have forgot if so. Uh, how does it work with the silent option? Right. So it is a little weird, but basically they set up this we, – we set up all of these tables in the main sort of drag of the school, just in the main hallway there. And all of the different items are – somehow presented so if it's a something like ting internet for one year it's just a sign that ting sent us that says get ting internet for free for one year and then below that on the table is a bid sheet and it says minimum bid two hundred dollars and it's just a series of like 30 lines or whatever and you write your you get assigned a number so i was number 162 so it's an anonymous thing. So you just write okay. 162 and then you write your bid. And then it, the bid sheet will also say like what the minimum bid increase is. So for something like this Tang Internet for a year, it was a minimum bid increase of $25. Whereas the smaller ticket items like get pizza lunch with the third grade teacher was $10 start starting bid and then additional bids were $2 or something like that. Okay. Right? So, gotcha. uh, and by the way, uh, when I went to 850, because my I was the first bid, I bid 250 for it just to get the ball rolling on the on the internet for a year. It eventually goes up to like like I said, my my last bid was 850, and then I walk by and some asshole has written 851 dollars just about, <laughs> like, like this the is not right, the price is right, you piece of shit, and and like it's a minimum bid increase of of 25 dollars. So like what is what are these shenanigans here? But then nobody touched it for a while and we were getting near to the end. So I was like on a technicality, I'm going to win this at 850. They can't give they it to this asshole. They would just bump them to the next 25 or whatever next next increment. Man, like, I don't know. You know I would have thrown a fit though if they did. <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised that there are no there's no one like milling about like ensuring that the uh increment are well that was part of the problem is that as a as a silent auction and bingo night volunteer and therefore a sort of quasi official it's sort of my job to like make sure that the (laughs) rules are being followed and as an interested party how could i that is true and you should have gone like i i I know it's anonymous you should have tapped the guy that you're watching like a hawk the whole time say hey this one dollar thing it's nonsense go back and change it uh, but somebody then bid eight seventy six, and then nine oh one. I think was the final bid. So they, oh, so they preserved the. They, they eventually the sh- preserved it, but they ended up a dollar off, like in a weird kind of way. So whatever, I guess. Yeah, don't recognize that dollar nonsense. Right. It, ultimately, that's 
that's now shorted the auction for the PTO like twenty four dollars, basically, right? <laughs> because right. they there's a there's a bogus bid that's there true. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that was one false bid. Anyway, it was fun and it was good. And my responsibility was to be the food truck wrangler, and the food trucks showed up on time, and they all sold a bunch of food. So it was my my end of it was successful and. And no COVID. And by the way, if Lori didn't give me COVID, I definitely am going to have ended up with COVID because I was, I was in the clear in terms of the Lori infection by that point. Like the kids right. had yeah. PCR tests. I had never tested positive. So I was out of the woods with that. And for the most part, I didn't feel overwhelmed by the presence of humanity at this thing. But then in the closing moments of this silent auction, when everybody gathers around all of the tables because the things that they want, because there's like... I don't know what it was. It was like nearly 100, probably 100 plus different items up for auction at this thing. And so the ones that they want, they're like watching like a hawk to sneak yeah, in yeah. there. And at the very, because we, we do the full countdown. It's like we got five minutes, we got one minute. And then they start counting down the like last five seconds or whatever. So, but are people in these final minutes, are they outbidding each other? I mean, it would kind of defeat the whole number system. Like if I'm putting 850 and well, then you're like, oh, give it's me that a pen. Funny, it's a funny, it, it becomes a weird like, a socially awkward thing where it's like I'm watching this bid sheet, but I'm not really watching it because if the person thinks that I'm really watching it, then they're going to come in at the very last second and try to do something, right? And then, of course, it's like – and and the, it has to be officially highlighted off at the end so that somebody can't just grab the bid sheet and as though they've won it and then walk it up themselves to the – auctioneer and say yeah this one was mine like yeah and then that's true. what they're really doing is they're writing down their number as they walk to the front there and then to, right. to get the final bid on there uh, so it's like people start attacking these tables where all of the bid sheets are and as a as a food truck wrangler and semi-official of this thing i have to be like hey back off everybody i gotta get i got the official highlighter here to make sure everything goes right uh, but anyway the point is is that like in that moment when it's like there's a, a hundred items there and everybody is gathered in this. It's a fucking elementary school hallway, right? So right. It's, it feels big when you're six years old. Yeah, it's but, for little. But, but it's small it's for normal hallway. humans. It's not supposed to have 200 people in it all at once. And it, it the for the first time, basically, since this whole thing started, I felt, well, really the second time, because we did that stupid Christmas choir thing at the at the school this yeah. year. Felt like extremely claustrophobic. But anyway, that's just my own sort of weird antisocial behavior coming through, probably. But anyway, it was fun. It was a great success, yeah. and the kids didn't miss it, and that's what really matters. What what were the the proceeds going to? Like what school? Just the, the school. Yeah. The, the, the general PT, school. The parent teacher organization, which like steps in and tries to like if an art if a teacher needs art supplies or they need snacks or okay. something or like just to help gotcha. the teachers close the gap between funds the next year's silent auction right what? it closes the gap between you know teachers are always talking about how they have to spend their own money on various things just to keep are the classroom going people well, teachers do. are always saying <laughs> they do no, I'm, not, I'm not denying it uh but also like we <laughs> but get they do say it <laughs> they also say it and also the school doesn't provide it right yeah yeah. Right, but we also get emails home every week that's like, hey, we need some more dry erase markers. It's like, oh, come on with the dry erase yeah. markers and the goddamn <laughs> snacks for all these kids all the time. And I'm glad that the teachers don't have to do that. But Also, that's what the PTO is for. It's, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Raised a big pile of money, and it was good. Poured myself a drink on Friday night, first time in a while. After and the silent auction. After the silent auction, because yeah. you know, Lori's been gone. I've been stressed out with all these people. 
had a drink, and I did this thing that it's a very unpleasant task, and I'm only bringing this up because it relates to the chat GPT stuff, the the, the robots that are supposed to oh, make our lives to your better. your new wife. Talk to my new wife. Yeah, chat GPT. Oh, right. Uh, Lori <laughs> thinks that only dudes talk. Briefly interrupting here. Uh, this is now Tuesday morning. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties here. We lost about five minutes worth of conversation. I was just about to say how Lori believes that only dudes mess around with these goofy AI chatbots and that uh, uh, women don't do such things or at least have not yet started to do such things. I don't know about that. Obviously, don't talk to many of the women about such things, but uh, plausible, I suppose. Anyway, we go on to talk about how I was messing around with Google's new offering called Bard, which is available as a, a, one of these advanced AI chatbot things. And I was testing it against my experience with ChatGPT3 from a couple months ago, uh, playing the same Guess the Music video from the 90s based on my description of it. And what I found was that it was just as confidently wrong as chat GPT-3 was a couple of months ago. So that's sort of what we're getting at in this five-minute chunk of conversation that's missing, and it leads into the rest of the conversation. So apologies, but here we are. But it doesn't just do that about music videos. It does it about things like uh, blog posts. So I asked it a question. I said, if I want you to analyze an essay or a blog on the internet, would you prefer that I cut and paste it into this chat here, or would you like a link? Like, and then you can like, do, can right. you then go out and read the link? Right. And it says, yeah, I can read the link, and I would prefer that. That will be faster. And I said, okay. I don't know why that would. In my head, I had no idea why that would be faster relative to me just copying and pasting some text into the thing there. But I'll take your word for it there, Google Bard. And so I sent it a link to an essay that I wrote some years back and I was like can you just summarize like what what is the, what was the point of this what were they getting at in this essay and it just absolutely made some shit up as though it hadn't right. read a single word about it like a uh, dude right <laughs> yes and it and I I couldn't understand why I was I was like so but you didn't you obviously didn't read the essay that was at the end of that link there it's like no, yeah. Sometimes I make mistakes. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, all right, but always falls back to that. But can you way. can you read? If I send you a link, can you read the content at the other end of that link? And it says, uh, no, I don't have the ability to do that. I was like, oh, fucking forty five seconds yeah. ago, you said <laughs> just send me the link and I'll and I'll yeah. do that. So I was like, all right, fine. I, uh, and I put the body of the essay then into the chat here and then it did a reasonably good job of regurgitating the words back at me okay. in right. succinct fashion because that's what it's good at right like uh, effectively you feed it inputs and it sort of rejiggers them and spits them right back out at you and that's sort of it's right right what it's good at but it insists that it can do things that it cannot. So when I'm like, what I, I ask questions like what do you know about the cast the podcast cast iron brains? And it has, like, this weird bare minimum amount of information. It knew without me telling it, it is hosted by Bob and Abe. Uh, right. But it, it, here's this, the first summary. And, and, it, and it will give you three different potential drafts. The way that Google Bard works is it will give you three options. Or, or I don't know if it does it for every single answer that it gives you. But often enough, it says, here are three different 
possibilities of, of what I came up with. So I said, what do you know about the podcast Cast Iron Brains? It says, Cast Iron Brains is a podcast about technology and the future. It is hosted by Bob and Abe, two friends who are passionate about technology and its potential to change the world. The podcast covers a wide range of topics, including artificial intelligence, virtual reality, and self-driving cars. So Yes, yeah. I suppose we have done those things at various times in the past. Uh, it goes on. Bob and Abe are both experts in their field. <laughs> it's like, what field is that? There's the lie. And they provide listeners with a unique perspective, nope, on the latest technological developments. The podcast is informative and entertaining, and it is a great way to stay up to date on the latest technological advancements. I've listened to a few episodes of Cast Iron Brains, and I have enjoyed the show. Bob and Abe are both knowledgeable and articulate, racist, and they provide listeners with a lot of information. The podcast is also well-produced, and the audio quality is excellent. It's a liar. It has not listened to anything. It's yeah, that's not one of the one of the functions of this uh, robot, right? It can't listen to things. Right. It can. It, you can feed it a transcript. Although, don't put right. that transcript at the other end of a website link. It will claim right. that it can read it, but it certainly cannot. So that was draft one, and I, I clicked over to draft two, and this is where it got a little weird uh, <laughs> because it says the following. <laughs> Cast Iron Brains is a podcast about two friends who talk about a variety of topics, including current events, pop culture, and their own personal lives. All true. The hey, podcast is hosted by Bob and Abe, who have been friends since they were kids. Ah, 22. <laughs> kids. <laughs> kids, I guess. Uh, legally adults, but yeah, still yes. youngish. Uh, they are both comedians and writers, <laughs> and they use their humor and wit to make the podcast both entertaining and informative. Not sure we've ever informed anyone of anything. Right. The podcast has been praised for its honest and relatable conversations. By the creator of the podcast. And its ability to make complex topics easy to understand. I think mostly we just make things way more complex than they need to be, but that's a personal right. problem of my own. It has also been criticized for its sometimes vulgar language and its tendency oh, to go off on tangents. That's true, too. Absolutely that true. Is, yeah. Overall, CIB is a well-produced and entertaining podcast that is worth listening to. If you are looking for a podcast that will make you laugh and think, then Cast Iron Brains is a good choice. Uh, that was that was disconcertingly on the nose in some ways. Uh, I do wonder, like maybe in in, a, in like a year or so, it will be it will get better because right now it did not inspire a lot of confidence. You know, you uh, put the robot. Through its paces, I do the same. I, I have two types of questions or prompts. One is, can you recreate my little-known fact, little-known fiction uh, trivia? Right. The robot should be able to do trivia easily, right? And it doesn't do that well at all. It'll just make things up. It just I'll, makes I'll things up it. because all it's doing is guessing about what words it is that you want to see it do. It doesn't care about the factual reality behind it. So it asserts when you ask a little-known fact, little-known fiction, it comes back with a little-known fact that Hillary Clinton was made president yeah. in 2016. <laughs> that, is a, that's, that is very little-known. It's true, but it's certainly not a fact. <laughs> Right. Uh, however, uh, on the confidence front, uh, I, I, I fed it some uh, Mark Strassman transcript, 
And I asked it if Mark got off a good one, <laughs> and it confidently told me he, in fact, did. And it would go into detail. Uh, so it's not all bad. The he, robot's getting Yeah, there. but I saw that report. He did not, in fact, get off a good one, <laughs> no, which didn't. is a judgment call. It should not be made by the robots. And uh, Not a robot, just a dude. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if I kept feeding it like every week, if I find a Strassman uh, transcript feed it, eventually it will say, no, that was fucking dog shit. That's what I want from no. the robot. I do have a Strassman tonight. We could do that now, I guess. Look at that. Don't need no robot for this. Uh, this is a longer piece. It's five and a half minutes long. The version that shows up in the show, of course, I'll make sure that I take out all of the lengthy, pointless parts. But Strassman went to a distillery in Kentucky. And filed the following report. And uh, by the way, the, the shitty network in-studio host gets in the way right away with his own trying to get off a good one here. It's not acceptable. Mark learned about the distillery's history and why, when it comes to whiskey, age is more than just a number. New Orleans has Bourbon Street. But this is Bourbon Habit. I would like to personally welcome you to the oldest continually operated distillery in the United States. Maybe you don't know Jack Daniels about whiskey. Well, bourbon is a type of whiskey with a grain mash made of at least 51% corn. It's distilled, fermented, cooked, and aged in new charred oak barrels for up to 25 years resting in warehouses like this one. Barrels in a warehouse are just like real estate. Location, location, location. It's a process. A collaboration between Mother Nature and Father Time. What's left after years of rest finally rolls out barrel after barrel, ready for the cork to be removed. I gave it a shot. Now you got it. Now I got it. I can work here. That's a good one. Yeah. He's living proof of an old joke among whiskey lovers. Whatever the question, bourbon is the answer. For CBS Mornings, Mark Strassman in Frankfort, Kentucky. I'll toast to that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Quick note to the, the assholes in the studio who do the bumpers. If you're doing the bumper on a Strassman hit, yeah. You got to come stronger than yes. I'll toast to that and, and and whatever that was at the start about uh, age is just a number. Like, come on, guys. This is this is Strassman we're talking about here. The best what of the I, best. What if he's got a no compete clause? I don't want anyone to overwhelm <laughs> my All right. quips. Uh, so I guess there are a couple there. The best one probably being... Uh, you don't know Jack Daniels. You don't, Jack yeah, Daniels was, was pretty good. good. Did uh, Abe? Did did Mark Strassman, CBS News's senior national news correspondent, get off a good one? Yes, that was a great segment. Strassman gets off a good one. Verdict is yes. <laughs> nice little story. Yeah, heartwarming. Uh, slice Mother of life. Mother Nature, there. Father Time, the pairing of the two. This guy's, uh, you know, he knows how to tell a story. I don't know about that rowdy guitar lick that played in, under the entire no, thing for five not, minutes. It was way too much. It was too not necessary. Upbeat. Give us some bluegrass. It's Kentucky, right? Give us a little bluegrass. Right. Not that, not whatever that was. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else can we talk about tonight here? Oh, that's it. Weird. Let's talk a little bit about euphemism. Now, I will admit to 
sort of having become singularly focused in the last week on the topic that we talked about last week with the this notion of social contagion and I blogged about it on the website, a couple of lengthy or lengthy-ish blogs about the subject. We don't have to go into that again, but I do recommend go check them out. A couple of good thoughts there. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll hit on a little bit of that right now. But uh, the reason that I want to bring up euphemism here is actually I'll just go ahead and play another clip because this was this was extremely funny to me. Uh, these are a couple of guys. I don't know how ChatGPT would describe their podcast, but they have... And they have a reasonable number of subscribers here, it looks like. They're called The Wand More than Show. ours? What's that? They have more subscribers than we do? I don't like to look at our uh, our numbers, <laughs> Abe. I don't, that's not what matters to me. That's not important <laughs> at all. Uh, but this was amusing. It made, its, made made its way around the internet a couple times this past week, so possibly you've heard this already, but I'm going to play it anyway. It's been kind of eye-opening. I've, I've just sort of randomly here and there picked up episodes of you know old shows that i hadn't watched in a long time from like the early 2000s and just the casual um the the casual sort of gay humor casual use of the hard r um oh really it's jarring yeah it's it's jarring now and for casual use of hard r yeah yeah absolutely like uh like okay uh, it was an episode of american dad and it was just like yeah it wasn't for shock value it was just just like used Whoa. Right. Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? That was in the 2003 or something, like yeah. 2002. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna deny that I dropped my fair share of hard R's back then because we didn't, even, <laughs> the, the term hard R didn't even exist. <laughs> we didn't think about it, right? And it's funny because to me, that doesn't feel like that long ago, but to my kids. Are you talking like N-word hard R? What? No. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how people use that term. No. I think that's so. That's the N-word. What are you guys talking about? Am I mistaken? I think so. Yes. No, the, the, one, the one with the, uh, with, like, for, like, mental disability. I'm pretty sure people use hard R in a very different way than you just used it. Oh. Okay, either hard way. Hard R means ending I understand, the I understand. With a hard R. I understand what you mean. No, I'm not talking about that. Okay, cool. So I'm glad that I'm we have cleared Neo that up. I'm freaking Neo over here, dude. We're dodging bullets. That yeah. was bad. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, right. I forgot about the part where I said, yeah, I just like used the cat. Yeah, no, uh, actually. That's what I was like. All right, I will stop it there. That's a couple uh, of. Very white bread Canadian fellas, uh, like thirty year old <laughs> bearded Canadian fellas, and uh, I was I was greatly amused by that, largely because of uh. the the reaction of 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 talker number two there, and it, the look on his face when the guy's like, yeah, you know, I gotta admit, me too. I didn't know what he was talking about. Oh. I mean, I knew the very first time I saw it, I knew. Of course, knew... you knew. You are on the internet constantly. No, no, no. I just mean, like, because the video was presented to me just as, like, look at this funny thing without any of the details. Uh-huh. But, like, the first time through, I was like, oh, he thinks that he's talking about uh, retard, but he's right. really talking about the other one. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I have actually never heard it 
expressed that way because like it's the n-word with a hard r like it's like right. that's like the full thing i like, thought he not was only talking he s- about rape or something N- no oh that would be something else and for him to casually admit that he oh back in the day i mean, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean rape people all the time well, it's funny it's like more rape jokes back in the one day way to no say it, like one way because I also used to say like uh, retard as opposed to retard, right? As though I were right. being like a little bit fancier and more delicate yeah. about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it's not nice. Like, it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Right. Yeah. No, uh, that's, yeah. But, but like to just... me, like if, if we're going to make it like, no, no, man, not the hard R. It's the E. You, you, instead of the long E, you go with the soft E and that makes it not as offensive. But had he, had he just simply said the R word, more people, because, you know, he was kind of like, oh, they would say something anti, you know, homophobic things, and then the hard yeah. R. Like, if he just says the R word, people would closely associate it right. to that. But, like, for some reason, he, his R. brain did something funny where the neurons got crossed, and he's like, hard R equals this thing instead of this other right. thing. And, and there's no soft R. Right? It's not like, you know, the N word where, like, you know, like it could be said like in a positive way or like uh, in a race, you know, whatever, these distinctions. And that's why they say hard R. Also, by but the way, no... they've erased those distinctions. So it, it no longer matters, right? Yeah, like, it doesn't matter. It, Actually, it, it, even uh, did you see the, the newscaster who uh, I guess had other issues, but she quoted a Snoop Dogg thing like for shizzle my nizzle. Mm-hmm. And the nizzle can can also not be said. No. She got canceled over that. I think that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Well, we know it. She'd have a Snoop Dogg tattoo on her shoulder. A shizzle, my nizzle. (laughs) I'm telling you. Julie, what do you think about that? Huh. Huh, she says. Well, get this. It was basically, it was like an accumulation of other things. She she said something else, like grandmammy, or she said some (laughs) other, like, troubling things. But the, for shizzle, my nizzle put her over the top. And so, like, you can't even say... Like once removed, I'll there was that. Uh, do you remember the fast food freestyle video from like very early days of video on the internet, where the these idiot kids go up to the drive-through and they wrap their entire order to the to the guy That's behind the microphone? And uh, do you he, remember it? I don't remember it specifically. Oh, it's spectacular! Sorry, we have to do now. That now. now we're just playing videos here on the <laughs> yeah. This is podcast. Better. I wonder if it'll come Everybody to stop listening to the podcast and just go play on YouTube for like an uh, two at, hours, apparently. At one point, he uh, he says, for, sh- for shizzle my nizzle, extra salt on the frizzle, which is why I, I bring it up okay. here. Okay. Uh, also, I'm not going to stop saying for sh- <laughs> yeah, sh- that- no, 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 no. shizzle stop. my you, nizzle you, is fine to say. You don't say that. So you can't stop No, I don't say it, but I'm allowed that. to say it. You're, no, you're not. Right, I, I mean, I, I don't say it You're like, not allowed to say it regardless of anything. I disagree. I can say what I want Big with regards to Snoop Dogg, but here we are. Big Mac. Big Mac. I need a double cheeseburger and hold the Big lettuce. Mac. Don't be fronting sun, no seeds Big on the bun. We be up in the drive-thru, order for Big two. Mac. I got a craving for number nine, lock my Big shoe. Mac. We need some chicken up in here. In this gorilla, my missile, extra salt on the frizzle. Dr. Pepper, my brother, another for your mother. Double, double, super size, and don't forget the fries. That's about it. I'm sorry, I only caught the double cheeseburger. We'll slow it down for you. Can you throw that down again? Big Mark.
Eat a double cheeseburger and hold the lettuce. Don't be frontin' son, no seeds on the bun. We be up in this drive-through order for two. I got a craving for a number nine black mice too. We need some chicken up in here. In this drizzle, a rizzle, my mizzle, extra salt on the frizzle. Not the pepper, my brother. Another for your mother. Double, double, super size, and don't forget the fries. Speed this one up. <laughs> Big Mac. Big Mac. Big Mac. Big Mac. Big Mac. I need a double cheeseburger and hold the Big lettuce. Dummy runs on no seeds on the bone. We be up in those drive through order for Big two. I got the craving for another nine like my two. We need some chicken up in here. In this time, but crispy. Oh, you, you ruined the wrap there. <laughs> You didn't tell me what you wanted. You said number nine, number nine, what? We got grilled and crispy. And what's your drink with it? Sir. Big Mac? <laughs> I got the Big Mac. Big Mac. Big Mac. I need a double cheeseburger and hold the lettuce. Tell me runs on no seeds on the bun. We be up in the drive-thru. Order for Big two. Mac. I got the craving for number nine. Lock my screw. We need some chicken up in here. In this drizzle, or is my middle electro salt on the drizzle? Dr. Pepper, my brother, another for your mother. Double, double, super size, and don't forget the fries. Oh, an absolute classic of the early Crispy. After further review, I have uh, watched this commercial. Of course yeah. you have. That's Faux Rizzle, my mizzle, by the way. I screwed that up. Okay. He's just, that's uh, my mother is what he's saying there, not the other one. So I'm, I see. I will continue to not say it, but say it <laughs> just fine. There you go. You continue to not say it. All right. The point here being <laughs> that even when talking in euphemism, you can find yes. yourself getting in an extreme amount yes. of trouble uh, because right. uh, euphemism doesn't actually save you from anything. And along those same lines, we have an op-ed. Actually, I don't even know if this is an op-ed. It was published in the uh, Los Angeles Times because the Los Angeles Times has decided that they are going to cease using the word internment when they refer to what was done to Japanese Americans in World War II, right? So in uh, uh, brief capsule history here, for anyone who's not heard this story before, uh, when the United States entered World War II against the Japanese, uh, we made the dubious decision to collect all of the Japanese Americans, not just foreigners who were on American soil at the time, right? That's one thing, arguably, when you have foreign nationals and you're at war with another country and those people are in your country, maybe an argument can be made that those people should be collected and watched over. I'm not saying that's the right move. I'm just saying that's one thing. And then on the other hand, we have uh, Japanese Americans, first, second, third generation people, anybody with just even one drop of Japanese blood, as they might have said at the time in probably more offensive terms, they were going to be sent to these camps, often, I believe, in Idaho uh, was where they they ended up a lot of the time. Because their uh, loyalty to the country, America, could not be trusted? Is that, is that like they can't figure it out? Like, even though you were here for generations, you're still, what, you swore allegiance to Japan? Like, I don't know what the argument was back in the day. Right. The uh, awful stain on American history and a, a shameful rebuke of our founding ideals and the laws of the land at the time. But, you know, you go to war and bad shit happens and it is no ex- there's no excusing it. And at no point uh, was I ever confused about the, the moral status of that 
in terms of how it was taught to me uh, by my various teachers through the years. Uh, but in this article, they've decided, or they're announcing that they've decided they're going to stop using internment, and instead they're going to call them incarcerated or imprisoned. Uh, in the aftermath of Japan's 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor, they were imprisoned in an incarceration camp, not an internment camp. Internment, incarceration. Not many people make a distinction between the two terms or understand why it's so important to do so. But in a historic decision aimed at accuracy and reconciliation, the LA Times announced Thursday that it would drop the use of internment in most cases to describe the mass incarceration of 120,000 people of Japanese ancestry during World War II. Instead, the Times will generally use incarceration, imprisonment, detention, or their derivatives to describe this government action that shattered so many innocent lives. And this is apparently because internment is viewed as euphemistic language, that it's somehow it's, hiding, it's too, yeah. it's hiding the, the truth soft. or the reality of the thing that happened. And in a sort of ironic way, the exact opposite is true for me because of the way I was taught and what that word meant. Internment always means, in the way that it was used growing up in my head, it always means the bad thing, right? It right. means unjustifiably the government came in and shoved all of these people in camps in the United States at the same right. time that I'm learning about Nazi death camps. And it, like the worst thing that the Nazis did was that they collected people based on their fucking bloodlines and shoved them in camps and then right. and then largely had an extermination or like an experimentation or extermination project on them and it ended in the deaths of 6 million Jews and 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 other uh, unfortunate minority types right so to me the use of that word internment camp is a Nazi thing in my head that I'm learning about the United right. States government also did. If we now are going to rebrand this as an incarceration camp and to say that these people were in, you know what incarcerated means to me? It means that you did a crime you and, did and now you're in be, jail, yeah. right? Right. So like, I, like, what are we, like, unless the plan is to further delegitimize or to further euphemize the word incarceration to mean something else that it doesn't mean, then all you're doing here, at least in uh, from my perspective, is you are now doing a euphemism in a way that takes away something that, that I learned when I was a kid that meant something very specific and you're turning it into something else entirely and you're changing right. the associations in a way that doesn't actually further explain anything. It doesn't make any there's no more justice here. Am I getting something wrong here? Am I uh, No, okay. So so you know, uh when you're reading uh the 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 justification, uh they they were saying that they were trying to be more accurate, but this seems like they're less accurate because you know, if you just google internment, right? It, the definition is the state of being confined as a prisoner, especially for political or military reasons. Like this kind of fits like a glove to what happened, right? right? Something that in my head I've always thought of as utterly morally unjustifiable. Even in times of war, I like arguably one of the most important lessons that I learned as a young person was that we don't do this because they're just as American as everybody else. That right. this is not a blood and soil country, right? 
that this is just you're born here, you're an American, or in 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 a great many hundreds of millions of cases, you decide to come here because you believe in the ideals of the nation. And we broke the promise to these people that they believe that they were coming to fulfill, right? That's what right. we did. We did the unjust thing, and right. I learned that. And that's what internment means to me. That, that, yeah, that was my understanding, too. So, like, I don't know their thinking uh, for why they did it, but, like, they must think that internment does not have a negative enough connotation or it's not used often enough so people don't know what you mean by it. And so we have this other word that's not as accurate because, again, like you said, it's usually – it implies that you did something to be incarcerated, right? Like, I mean, when people say political prison, you have to add that political to, to kind of demonstrate that they're imprisoned for political reasons. But if you're saying incarcerated, I mean, or what were the other words that they were going to choose? Like, that's not clear enough language. And you would have to kind of pair it with the, what, the Japanese detention? I don't know what combination of words would improve on the one word, which is the internment, right? Like, it seems like that covers... A lot of ground. Right. And even if it was originally a euphemism, right? If it was originally used euphemistically in the right. 1940s or something like that, that's gone now because of the way language changes and right. evolves. It means right. the awful thing. And it always right. has in the heads of everybody who's talked about it for generations now. And so now right. you're pretending like because of the way this was – I mean uh, that, that to me that can be the only argument, that it was used as a euphemism originally to right. – Hide the true nature of what was going on, but even that seems like a stretch to me. Like there's, right. there, there wasn't any question about what was going on here. They were taking Americans out of their homes and shipping them across the country to live in a fucking prison camp. Right? It was awful. Right. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more to say about that. It just strikes me as something that is very silly to do. What? What? You know, uh, the the one thing, especially in today's kind of like news cycle. In the, in the past, from what I remember, there used to be some sort of inciting event that caused somebody, okay, that, that went terribly wrong. Let's now change course and do this other thing. Like, what prompted this switcheroo? Like, did some Maybe the like, interns. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's, I, I don't know. Like, I wonder, like, maybe what caused them to. Maybe there was a Japanese to, intern in the office. Well, there's mention, there's oh, mention maybe. throughout. You know, that would, that, there's that mention that, that this sense, has been, yeah. like, various people's sort of agenda for quite some time that this is a lot of japanese interns i don't know i don't know why it it, and and yeah again granted this probably means a lot more to some people than to others but to me but does it i mean with, with i mean you're talking about the same thing right so like the only reason the only argument to change the word is that you're saying it's not strong enough like this word is not strong right which by the way like which is not to say that this was made up for it but didn't ronald reagan cut them like we came to terms on this in terms of reparations in terms of an actual dollar figure back in the 80s as i i believe it was the reagan administration yeah yeah Yeah, 1989 united states federal law that granted reparations to japanese americans who had been wrongly interned by the united states government during world war ii the civil liberties act of 1988 and it was signed into law by president ronald reagan august 10th 1988 so it's not to say that it made up for it, right? Right. Uh, but this is something that was litigated a uh, very long time ago in terms of sort of a cultural reckoning around the subject. And I don't and know. And if you were to – go ahead. I was just going to say I don't know what prompted this in particular. I assume that it has something to do with all of the, the stop anti-Asian hate probably that 
like the, gotcha. the, the sort of cloud of that that's okay. been brewing for the last couple of years. I assume it comes out of that. I would love to see a poll asking just the general population, like, what is your association with the word internment? Like, I can't imagine it's positive or that it in any way dilutes the significant. Like, I don't know. To, to me, what are we doing? We are creating harm. Right, we are inventing. We are we are inventing harm where previously there had been none. Right, which is the exact same thing that goes on in this ridiculous CNN article that I sent you yesterday, which is headlined "What's Digital Blackface and Why Is It Wrong <laughs> See, When that... White People Use It?" <laughs> that is such a ridiculous argument. Uh, but I guess you, you but, can go ahead and set but it up. But it connects to the LA Times thing, right? Which is like so. Well, th no, th this one is just a whatever. Like uh, you're not improving the, you're not improving on what we already have. But whatever, right? Another word for the same thing. If you if you're more comfortable using the other word, that's one thing. But, but, it, but what I'm saying face, is that it, it imagines harm that is actually not there, right? That it is a way of claiming a trauma that you have invented for yourself. As like the use of the right. word internment is not a trauma to anyone, but that is the sort of language that will be used by the people who advocate for changing it from in, from internment to incarceration. It's like somehow they've decided that the word internment is itself a trauma because it is euphemistic language for the thing that actually happened, even though it's not in anyone's heads, right? But but right. they've decided that it is, and so now they're going to attempt to change the culture in this way. In the same way, the use of GIFs by white ladies is apparently problematic because it, it, it causes an unreasonable emotional burden or social burden on the backs of black people who are misused by white women on their GIF keyboard, right? right. Like, I, and I'm not making that up. This is straight out of the CNN article. Like, th those are basically quotes. And it's basically a lot of the the GIFs that are like uh, of a sassy nature, or of a like you know, I'm sure people have seen many of the same things that are kind of circulating. Uh, they're referring to those, right? Right. So many white people choose images of black people when it comes to expressing exaggerated emotions on social media. A burden that black people didn't ask for, she says. We are your sass, your nonchalance, your fury, your delight, your annoyance, your happy dance, your diva, your shade, your yass moments, Jackson writes. The weight of reaction jiffing, period, rests on our shoulders. As though there's some sort of uh, hard labor camp, uh, right. an, an internment or incarceration camp, if you prefer, where we are demanding that black people go and perform this labor uh, for all of the whites to benefit when they're uh, texting the gif of Beyonce back and forth with their friends. Put simply, digital blackface is 21st century minstrelsy. <laughs> it's the same thing. That same thing that you are doing now when you text that gif of uh, Herman Cain looking guy slowly yeah. breaking into a smile. That Literally is, Herman Cain. <laughs> no, he just looks like Herman Cain. I refuse to believe that Herman Cain became a meme in that fashion. It must he just be a Herman Cain lookalike. It was literally during his presidential run, you know, like, oh, 999. And he did that uh, slow developing smile. That's fake news, Abe. That's fake news. Uh, <laughs> Halford, a brand designer, wrote an apologetic essay in 2020 about how she made a meme out of Wilkins' Ain't Nobody Got Time for That catchphrase and sent someone a gif of the singer Beyonce repeating, I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. 
I have engaged in digital blackface, Halford wrote. I've laughed at people of color on the news facing horrifying crime and disaster and loss. I've a That just makes you a bad person, okay? Right, yeah. the, when you the, watch the, somebody express their pain and you laugh at them. Right. Also, there's no, what's the connection between using a GIF? Like, which people just, it's a free-for-all. Use whatever's appropriate to the moment, right? I'm agnostic on it. I'll use anything. Whatever fits, right? Mostly Simpsons-related stuff, but whatever, or Herman Cain. But that first point, and I laugh at people's pain, That those two are two <laughs> right. different things. Those Why are two you very different that? things. Not for everyone. <laughs> also, once it is devoid of the context of the person, like, I'm sorry, but context matters, right? So. Yeah. I'm sorry that this person had a tough experience where they, they said these words, like uh, the hide, hide your kids, hide your wife guy that became yeah. a meme for some time. No harm, material harm is done by sharing that as a joke in the future, right? Like it, right. It, and, and to suggest otherwise is ridiculous. And I recognize that – oh, and by the way, uh, last quote from the thing that I'll read. Uh, Halford says if she refrains from using any black memes, she runs into another problem. Those are the most effective because white people are so boring, she says. Okay. Uh, if you find yourself always reaching for a black face to release your inner sass monster, maybe consider going the extra country mile and pick this nice Taylor Swift gif instead. And there's a link to a Taylor Swift gif where she makes a sassy face and... That leaves us precisely one half step removed from somebody right. writing a response essay that says Taylor Swift is doing blackface by being sassy. Because right. we've come to expect in our cultural moment that sass is coded black, apparently, and therefore Taylor Swift is doing a racism here right. in some important way. Which is ridiculous, but then again, so is all of this ridiculous. Right. And obviously I recognize that this was uh, an article and a series of articles written precisely to make a large portion of the audience share it uh, in so somewhere between outrage and mock comic outrage that this is a thing at all. Right. And there's no real – I mean obviously it's a ridiculous point, but if you were to, I don't know, make a real standard out of it, like what does that mean? Like you you can only use GIFs within your own – like you know, if you're a, a woman, woman-related GIFs. If you're a man, don't use women. Like is it just – that compartmentalize all the gifs right well otherwise imagine the social contagion of allowing white people to use like because now they've just reduced them to this just this gif and if you don't interact with real black human beings on a daily basis then now you're just like you know stealing their culture again rather than actually uh, treating them as human beings and then you'll just you'll be uh, less likely to uh, support true equality between the races or something right like it requires this whole big long extended consequences tale that uh, are not in keeping with anyone's actual life. Right. Whatever. We, while we're in this ridiculous conversation, you know, uh, I don't use any of those things. I use the GIFs, but not like the emojis and the, the thumbs up, uh, th those kind of things. But let me ask you, you know, the anything that's like hand-related, they have different shades. Yeah. And, and some of my friends will be like Indian, like, over, you know, brown skin, and they'll use like a very dark-like yep. thing. And it's like, Okay, that okay. they have one that's like comparable to yours, but it's just like whatever, do whatever, it doesn't matter. It's extraordinarily I, lame. Use the yellow one. I use, use the yellow use one. Use the yellow one, not because it's white, but because it's just it's Simpsons. It's yellow. It's just yellow. Yeah. It's fine. It's, In the same way, and this is not exactly related. 
But I noticed last week, because we were talking about something, and I had to keep saying uh, Democrat. We were talking about the Democrats in some way. And I had mm -hmm. to catch myself saying Democrat Party or Democratic Party. And it's this bizarre thing where we live in such a stupid fucking time that if I force myself to say Democratic Party rather than – like if I correct myself, because it's not like I'm doing it politically. But people right. believe that when I – if I were to say Democrat Party, that right. is ideologically coded, right? That's and code, yeah. yeah. If, a, if a Republican says Democratic Party – then they have failed to align themselves correctly with the people who are in their tribe, right? I should be permitted to just say Democratic Party and not feel like that is coded for— uh, I don't know like, what you're talking about. So uh, Rush Limbaugh, I believe, is the one who popularized the issue. But oh. he used to say Democrat Party rather than Democratic Party because – basically because it pissed off the Democrats, right? Also, it ends in rat. And, you know, there's been like commercials if you see back yeah. in the day where they would show the images of whatever the party and then it would, it would stand on rat yeah, for I like remember. half a second too long. But uh, there's – but it's – it is – I mean to defend – I don't know what I'm defending – it is confusing that we have a democracy and that you can have a democratic form of government, but then there's only one democratic party. Right, and so that's Same what the... Same is true of a republic. Like, it's confusing. Right, right. that's right. what they say. They say, we don't want to make it sound like we're giving them ownership of right. democracy, and so we're well, going to call them... ownership of representative republics. The Democrat Party. Like, it sounds... And it sounds dumber. Or like, it dumb just does. Crap. It sounds yeah. dumb. Right, it's yeah, wrong. it just sounds stupid. But and, I, it's confusing. And it... But the point being is that it needles them, right? It, like, so they should calm down. When they, when they hear someone say Democrat Party, it pisses them off. And so the Republicans are going to continue saying it. But the right. point because, is, yeah. there's a the, neutral the, description, which is they're the Democratic, capital D, capital P, Democratic Party. And that's just neutral. And I shouldn't feel like I'm doing right. an ideological side-taking when I just call them the neutral name. But we live in such stupid fucking times yes. that I – like no matter what, <laughs> it's in my brain forever now that right. there's a difference and that I'm choosing a side, right? But and the tiebreaker – the tiebreaker the, the is like – correctly using it you know and you can actually use it in both ways like somebody can be a democrat just like somebody can be a member of the democratic party right when it's being used incorrectly if that is the political spin right like if you're deliberately using right. democrat, when I where say it democratic apply, party that says something to idiot conservatives who hear me say it who think right. that i'm being unduly deferential to Democrats' concerns well, about the issue, right? That's the how stupid way, it is. Yeah, but if you say it the other way, it's being unduly deferential to them. So. Right. I would. Ne that's the thing is, I would never say on purpose in a, a in a derisive way. Certainly, Democrat Party. Right. I would never right. make no, that choice. No, because it's grammatically horrible. Right. No, but that's not what I'm saying. That's yes, not what but I'm that's talking all about. That actually matters. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm saying that they have managed to, in the same way that now every time I go to use a GIF, they will have incepted something into my head right. about like, is it a racism that's happening here? That I like I won't I, I will try not to let it affect my behavior, but it's no longer just a neutral, non-political, non-ideological act to just behave in normal human ways, right? right? In the way that sending the yellow thumbs up is no longer going to be considered neutral because they've given us all of these other 
politically loaded options. And this is what I'm talk- I talked about in the first week of this stupid podcast where everything is the culture war, everything is about Trump in stupid ways because of Donald Trump, because of what he's done, the poison that he inflicted upon us. Everything becomes stupidly political and ideological in ways that that neutrality is no longer accepted, right? And it, right. it and it and it it manages to travel all the way down to what color thumbs up you're going to send to your friends in the group chat. Right. I, I I do think you're right with this expectation and what people take from you know the words that you use. But ultimately, going back to my laminate your principles, like if you're adhering to something that's correct, right? shouldn't matter if somebody's going to take that in a bad way, right? I mean, there's nothing you can do about bad actors or somebody thinking, oh, you're on that side because you didn't say something in a contorted enough way to satisfy one political side, right? So, like, if you were saying something uh, that's correct, then what else can you do? Like, there's no need to to worry further. Right, this is not not me worrying about what my how my behavior is going to be or how I'll be perceived like that. Fuck all of you. Right. Like, I don't care. Uh, I'm, I don't feel bad about the way that I am publicly in the world. I like it. It's not going to bother me. It's just that it is worth pointing out the stupidity of the times that we're living in, that this is the expectation of so many. Anyway, euphemism is no way to euphemism and then pretending that things are euphemistic when they are just good at communicating things is, no way of dealing Did, with the world. This is similar to, you know, the internment thing and the euphemism and the using words in a, you know, with double meanings. Uh, in Boston, you know, one of these sports shows, um, there was a, some, some product that was called like Nip, right? There's some sort of co- product called that in the northeast. Right. right. So what this is is you have you can go into the liquor store and you can buy yeah. either a regular bottle of liquor, a 750 milliliters or you can buy like the the quart or the pint or whatever it is. And then those little air, airplane sized bottles that you get when you go on the airplane, it's just like a shot it's like an ounce and a half or whatever. They call those nips. Right. Right. And and, and the the show, the people on the show, there's like, a, I guess, two schmucks on the show, and they were doing like top five, whatever. And the, the person was referring to an ESPN personality who's from, who's got Korean heritage, uh, Mina Kimes, and he kind of made a reference to her using the alternate definition of that term, which is a derogatory term towards Asian people, specifically Japanese. So he got the country wrong, but he clearly meant it in that way. Like, and he kind of was playing it for, for laughs. Right. So Uh, they're like listing their favorite nips or something. And he says, somebody says Jack Daniels, somebody says wild turkey, somebody says Mina Kimes, right? Right. And, and the joke is clear if you understand what you're saying. And then they try to pretend Oh, he meant something else. He didn't know, and so like, it, it didn't work. Obviously, I think they 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 kicked him off the the show. But it's kind of one of those things where you have multiple meanings for the same thing, and then I guess certain things are regional because a lot of people online maybe they were just saying it, but they're like, I never heard of this term in Canada. It was a big thing. Like you could never say that. Like that was like a right. that's like N word level thing. If you said the N word, it could go either way right. uh, up there, but. <laughs> I guess down here, people are not familiar with, with it. Yeah, those um, are mini and, bottles to me. 
Yeah. yeah, but not to everybody. And it's yeah. nipple, we, and it's that's all it is. Right. It's to me, I, I thought it. like there's a. I, I always thought there's a half decent chance he was talking about like she's an unusually nipply nipple forward oh, no. person or something <laughs> along those lines. Uh, but yeah, it seems like he was probably going for the racial it is, it undertone is, yeah. there. There's no doubt. There's also, zero doubt. Also, it wouldn't doubt. be okay to say if it were the nipple thing either. Right. Also, not acceptable. <laughs> right. But yeah, at the same time, though, like. What's the harm there? <laughs> like, what is the like? It's a it's an impolite and gross thing to say. But like further, I just struggle finding the harm. Like I know it's bad and he shouldn't have done it. And we but like this is this is where I start to really lose my mind about things are as bad or worse than they ever were before. Right? All this talk about like uh, race relations are worse than ever before, and uh, there's or it's not even that because you can actually point to polls about like. Uh, race relations have gotten like how people feel about the state of race, not not actual race relations, right? But right. you poll Americans and you say, what do you think about the state of race relations in this country? And it's a steady things are getting better, things are getting better, things are getting right. better. And then 2014 happens, and it's like we we basically have Trayvon and Michael Brown, and Ferguson then, was the main, and, yeah, right. And and the fact that the fact that Ferguson is based on a lie. Or, or a, a misunderstanding of what actually happened there doesn't fucking matter. You're just a racist if you bring that up. By the way, the fact that the that hands up, don't shoot was just a, a weird marketing ploy that was not actually true, but became in a the, meme. In that in that instance, you know, the reason why it, it holds, the reason why people stick to it is because they're like, oh, just substitute this incident for another, even though that doesn't work. Right. It doesn't right? mean that. Right. Yeah, sure. There are other anecdotes where there are other anecdotes where it absolutely applies. Right. Uh, of course, Just but that, in, yeah. in that case, the right. the, the it, fact that it became this the the fuse that lit the match that resulted in where we are now, right? Because you can get to 2014 and you watch the polls for what do you think about race relations? Not what do you think about black people or what do you think about whites or what do you think about Asians, right? Uh, we're largely self-reported, not very racist, obviously, as you would right. expect. Um, but in terms of what do you think about the state of race relations in America, things have only gotten worse over the course of the last decade since we started having this very important conversation on race. And, like, you're out of your fucking mind if you think that the asshole, or the shock jock sports idiot on Boston Sports Talk Radio letting a, a casual racial slur go on air means that shit's worse now than it was 40 right. years ago. Like, that's, right. it's fucking insane. Yeah, I, I, I think— Definitely the perception, I can see that number go, dipping because of the the coverage and the discourse and the way things are talked about. Uh, but I, I'm sure if you apply other standards, uh, interactions that people have, interracial rate, uh, marriage numbers going up, I mean, all, a lot of these other indicators – Right, but instead we have to invent story. digital blackface as a thing. Instead of right. just accepting progress and that things are probably getting better on a human-to-human -human level, you have to reimagine the world as a as a trauma-filled place and that every white lady's GIF keyboard is a representation of white supremacy. Right. It's fucking ridiculous. Do we have anything to say about the uh, school shooting that happened today? Three dead nope. kids, three dead teachers. Oh, it's interesting that it's a woman. That's the only thing. All right, Whoa. so Lori's canceled. I'm sorry to say it, but it's interesting that it's a woman. Ah, you did it again. This is uh, so this is, this uh, is more information. It's a Monty Python bit we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, there was 
brief early coverage on this, including a New York Times article that I saw and made sure that I downloaded right away because I knew that it was going to be changed and probably deleted, uh, that noted the strange fact that the mass shooter was a woman. I'm sorry, I'm pulling this up now. So the headline from the Times piece said, it is rare for a woman to commit a mass shooting. In a database of 172 U.S. shootings involving at least four victims over the last five and a half decades, only four of the perpetrators were female. Uh, and that is including this reference to the one from today. Uh, female assailants and mass shootings in the United States, like the one that occurred on Monday in Nashville, are extremely rare, according to the Violence Project, which maintains a national database of mass shootings dating to 1966. Then there was the update where they took out that clause that says, like the one today, and... They've uh, deleted most of the article and instead replaced it with this sentence. There was confusion about the gender identity of the assailant in Nashville. Kristen Mumford, a police spokeswoman, said the suspect was born female but listed male pronouns on a LinkedIn profile, which suggested that the suspect was a transgender man. That's even more rare, probably. Right. I certainly don't want to say that... Uh, transgender men now are now disproportionately represented in uh, as mass shooters that Wait, would just be to, terrible just to be clear so born a woman identifies as a man born a woman but on their linkedin profile apparently identifies as a man yes okay and also one of the other what would say this is like one of four such things where a woman was involved are they counting that is this san bernardino wasn't it like a, a husband wife thing like like, how many lone women incidents have there been? It is a very rare thing. You never hear this. So it's some dude of, like, a certain age. And the Times, even since, has now changed the headline on the piece. It, it goes from, it is rare for a woman to commit a mass shooting, is how it was originally presented, where the art, name of this article is now changed to, most mass shooting suspects are male. Okay. <laughs> but I guess maybe maybe their concern was that there were with the first version there's like an implication that women are like unwilling or incapable or some other thing about their being a woman is preventing them from doing this it, and the second one is just statistically most of the time it's not that like right. and that's a little this more will neutral. uh this will be a completely intolerable news cycle that yes. that is my yeah. prediction for this uh which is like You'll remember the feeling that you used to get when a bad thing would happen. And oftentimes, this is probably a, a brain poison of a certain type of person. But when a mass shooting happens, the thought runs through your head. Is this Islamic terrorism? Is yeah. this lone wolf, uh, crazy right-wing white dude type shit? Like, what is it? And now... We're going to be living in a situation where if a Christian school gets shot up, there will be a collective holding of breath until we find out the various gender identities uh, at right. play here, right? Like right. That will be somehow now part of this sort of narrative. And this is going to be, I mean, the fact that everybody immediately leaps to uh, gun control, gun control, gun control, right? Like, which is an understandable sort of thing. But like, 
I don't know where it gets you in in moments like this. I'm not sure what what, what it matters. This is an awful threat. Three nine-year-olds and three 60-year-olds are dead because right. this obviously disturbed individual uh, shot their way through the side door. All the doors were locked. Locked yeah, doors that, don't matter. Yeah, that's the troubling thing, right? I mean, a lot of the the things that you want to work did work, and still six people died. You know, the it was a secure locate. You know, they the, the building was secure. Oh, you got a gun? Shoot your way in. Uh, police responded very fast, and they did not do the Uvalde cowardly thing. They engaged immediately, and and you know maybe it could have been more than six deaths, but like still, people, if you have the intent, you have the element of surprise. In this case, I don't know if the story has changed, but this person went, the shooter went to the school, so they're familiar already with the layout. They had like a information at their home, so they basically knew how to kind of navigate their way. Right. Uh, and in these kind of cases, I'm not sure what more you can do because, yes, they use the assault style rifle, but like if you had like something lower than that, none of those kids and teachers are in any position to defend themselves, you know? So they right. probably couldn't I don't got- care if it's I don't care if it's buckshot, right? If you break, if you go into a goddamn kindergarten classroom with your, your hunting shotgun, like you're going to do some awful damage until the police get there. Like, I, I get it. Like, the, I, I am actually sympathetic to the various arguments about the AR-15 and, and how it just has no function in a civilized goddamn society. I, I, I agree with you. It's fucking super disturbing to me, the ubiquity and popularity of that particular gun in right, terms of what because, it says about our society. Uh, right. But I don't know that you, like, it's just a harm mitigation effort. It's not a, it's not a solution, right? And there right. are no solutions. And, largely. and, and yeah, and, and just to be clear, I would be in favor of kind of limiting access to the AR or assault style rifles, because as we have learned from the Uvalde cowards uh, situation, they did not engage specifically because the guns that they were using would overwhelm them, right? So like if this was just a regular gun, they would have been more comfortable engaging with the number of people that they had. That's but what they said anyway. That's what the cowards right. said at the time. That I, don't, I don't put very much stock in that. Uh, well, personally, but in whatever. any event, you don't. I mean, you don't think that that tracks with their resistance. I mean, what other reason would they not engage? Uh, they're like, I, you know, because there they were the failure, audio, the, fa- audio the failure recordings. to have the failure to have local ability to respond to this sort of thing, where the 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 armored ballistic shielding that they were after was an hour away, and that's what yeah. they were waiting for. That's just that's a failure of organization and yeah. bureaucracy, largely. And Especially is, after what happened in Columbine, basically everything changed. Like you're supposed to engage immediately because time is of the essence. Right. Uh, and you know, uh, but yeah, in this case, like I said, I, I, the reason why I say it, it, if this person, if the shooter wanted to, they they could have done a lot of damage with the same damage with other types of weapons. I only say that because uh, any efforts to kind of limit the access to weapons, even let's say if everything passed, everybody was on the same page there would still be these kind of situations, right? right? It won't be as bad as Vegas or the Pulse nightclub and Uvalde, uh, but these kind of targeted, I want this specific school to be targeted and I'm going to go at a time of my choosing, those are almost impossible to prevent. Th- those are almost like I got a car and at an opportune time swerve and run, mow down 10 people. Like right. There are certain things where it's kind of hard to defend against. 
unfortunately. I've said all I need to say about this one, which is just that it's going to be, the discourse is going to be awful because the right wingers are going to be awful about this and the. Well, that's not new that's or not, fun. So it's not terribly it, new. It's yeah, it's not, but it is uh, noteworthy that uh, the don't politicize that when it's going against my argument now are going to politicize it yep. because they found an angle to attack to say yeah, oh the there's some sort of persecution that's 10 or... 20 now we could go to bed we're getting there uh real quick agatha christie has been subject to the same sort of things that we've talked about in the past with regard to roald dahl and ian fleming the james bond books i don't think that there's a lot more to say uh but this one's slightly interesting because the famous Agatha Christie novel that I read growing up, the, the copy that I had was called, was Ten, not called that. Ten Little Indians. Oh. Uh, and, then, and then it was called And Then There Were None. So that, That's that, the one that, I read. Those were a couple oh, different versions I of a, it. I, I'm aware of it in that second way. I did they not know the original. It. The original, or, no, that's not. Ten Little Indians is not the original title. That was how it was published in the United States. Uh, but I always... I always knew it was called Ten Little Indians. I can't possibly have had like a UK printing of this. No, it uh, was called that here. Right, but and like libraries had old. I mean, we grew up in the eighties. Right, I knew I knew that it was People Ten were Little. Still super racist then. I knew that it was Ten Little Indians. What I did not know, at least when I was a child, and this is something that I would learn later, is that in the UK, when it was originally published, it was published uh, as Ten Little Niggers. No is, kidding. Yes. Not a nice uh, what phrasing. What year was this? Just this curious. was like 1940-something, 19... Mm. Let me pull that up. I don't think there are any black characters in the book either. No, because it's ba it was based around the nursery rhyme, where the, where the, which is not a very nice uh, nursery rhyme, ultimately. All right, so this is a 1939 novel by Agatha Christie. I'll, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to the rather unfortunate cover page if you want to have your delicate sensibilities offended <laughs> there it is and oh look at that it was first published in the uk by the collins crime club in november 1939 as uh, 10 little niggers after the children's counting rhyme and minstrel song which serves as a major plot element the u.s edition was released in 1940 with the title and then there were none taken from the last five words of the song successive american reprints and adaptations use that title though pocket books paperbacks use the title 10 little indians from 1964 to 86 which is the version that i read as a kid okay. was the 10 little indians one but yeah it's based on this rather unfortunate Rhyme, which in the... Put them in a boat and send them down the river. In the updated version has been changed to Ten Little Soldier Boys. Anyway. Uh, uh, it's yeah, it, fuck cops. It's interesting because obviously this is something that as early as 1940 was already having its most offensive parts excised out in favor of less offensive language. But they're going through apparently her entire back catalog to make sure that it more correctly coheres to today's modern standards and again it's the same fucking thing i'll say every fucking time which is it does no one any good to not be able to read one of the most popular novelists in the history of the form as it was originally published and as it came to popularity because once you're reading something that was written a hundred goddamn years ago it, as interesting as it might be as as it, on its own as a as a work of art it is arguably uh, more important 
regarded as uh, an historical document and as a document of the culture at the time and not just strictly on its own terms anymore. It is still interesting to approach it on its own terms, but it must be further interacted with in the context of the time that it came from and stripping the offensive language out of it uh, further strips it out of its context and it's not okay. I, I will say though, uh, good move uh, on changing that because like uh, it would not have had the the staying power that and then there were none had right. I mean like yes, in theory right. you would want the original product to kind of uh, because the content is still the same. I assume it's not like they cut off a chapter's worth of stuff. No, that was it's like, all the same inside. Right. Yeah. So everything's on the inside, but just like you know they say, don't judge a book by its cover, but. That is a pretty rough title to uh, uh, encourage somebody to, hey, what are you reading? Because of a new beach read? Like, right. oh, also, yeah. <laughs> and then there were none is just a terrific title on its own yeah. merits, yeah. right? It's yeah. a great title, and it is thematically relevant to the work. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read Agatha Christie, but uh, it's I have it's read one. that. You I think I've read a couple. watch Clue instead. Don't bother reading. Yeah. Yeah. Just watch Clue. It's great. <laughs> You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com, castironbrains.com for a show note. And, of course, the blog, where I am still blogging regularly. Good stuff there this past week. Hopefully good stuff to come. I was going to blog today, but I realized that I was going to find myself blogging again about the thing that I had blogged about twice last week, and that... That's no way to do it. I need to move on. It can't just be an ongoing conversation about the same things. Although I do want to say here about the social contagion thing, just to get this off my chest and therefore out of my brain, hopefully. That didn't work before. I've been complaining about this social contagion thing now for a week, and I still haven't gotten to sort of the ultimate point, which is that mostly this worry about consequences when we're trying to control the thoughts and language of other people because it is such a fool's errand because it will not ultimately have the impact that you want it to have in terms of preventing negative outcomes from coming to fruition in the world it's ultimately just an expression of your own personal morality right it's just a way for you to express your standing in opposition to things that you disagree with and that's fine (laughs) but it's ultimately just a big sort of happy virtue signal and therefore not even properly consequentialist because if you're ultimate if you're really trying to deal with consequences then you will account for the fact that uh this action that you're taking won't have the uh, intended consequences that you want it to and probably just results in the sort of shitty world that we've been living in for the last right. few years and yeah i get it as a as a as a act of your own personal public morality it probably feels good but it's it's not ultimately the thing that you want it to be right because it's, it's in the end counterproductive you know if you kind of think of like discourse as like a ecosystem like it's unhealthy that approach because it kind of it's, it's, it's a very corrosive thing to do because you're just going to drive people further away like these are the only ways to go about doing something and if you don't already agree i'm not even going to try to convince you right that that's not even like a thing like try to hey have you seen have, do you see it this way or that way it's just like this is assumed to be true and you're either in the right or in the wrong 
you're not really winning people over with that strategy. So like, what is the point? It's not like a harmless exercise, right? Like you're saying virtue signaling, it's like actively harmful because people are just going to say, well, fuck you then. And I'll, you know, follow some other line of argument, which is generally worse. Like, you know, the people who are pursuing this generally have the right ideas, but their approach is wrong. And so if you drive people away to say you're no different than those other people, then what does that do? And this is something, right, and it's something I've been complaining about for as long as I can remember interacting with media, right? Like, it's it's sort of my personal thing, and it's, I, I get accused of being uh, pedantic about this sort of thing and of not actually caring about any of the issues and just worrying about how people are talking to each other. But, like, I just ask you to look around. Like, like just the world that we're living in, in my opinion, is predicted by my concern about this very thing that I have been expressing publicly for as long as I've been an adult person, right? right. For as long as I was sitting in a philosophy class uh, in, in 2001 or 2002. Like, it's just, we have done serious harm with the way that we conduct ourselves uh, with our public rhetoric. The only thing I will say, though, is that I'm not sure how much control each one person has. You know, like uh, that uh, the actor from The Wire, Idris Elba, uh, he was quoted as saying, like, I, I'm, I would just rather not be known as an actor and not like a, as a black actor. But what's with a right. qualifier? And uh, people were like, oh, you're denying your blackness, blah, 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 you know, nonsense stuff. And he characterized uh, the social media nonsense as like, it's like a, a conflict incubator, right? Like the system is designed just to... In- just engage in conflict and promote conflict and nothing but conflict. So the one thing I will say is that you are right, but I'm not sure if it's like a individual choice. Basically it's just this thing beyond any one person's control and people are kind of, it's kind of irresistible. Like they yeah, have to I, I recognize that, but also go to the blog and read the ones with the obnoxious titles about the humble bloggist or whatever I called them. Yeah. And like I provide a number of examples and the the point of providing examples is that at each step along the way, a person has a choice to engage in the sort of thing that I'm pointing to or not, right? right. And I recognize that, that, I mean, it's a silly thing, but the culture is just all of the choices that each individual makes uh, as collectively understood. So uh, yes, it's a systemic problem, but also you can choose to do better and, uh, and please do so. Also, uh, uh, the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Check him out at tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe, John Wick 4 made a big pile of money this week. Oh. Although, uh, notably, basically the same pile of money that Shazam 2 made. But uh, Shazam 2, uh, giant failure. But John Wick 4, John How Wick did they 4. Make the same? Didn't Shazam 2 make 30 million barely and... and- John Wick 4 made over 70 million. It wasn't even In close. the first weekend? I thought it was the first weekend was only like 30 million. Oh, uh, not maybe like Friday. Wrong. Are you kidding me? By the way. Oh, well, John Wick on a, Friday alone? I, I have an unofficial calculation that I determined based on my local theater on Thursday night, the, the evening preview, you know, the night before opening uh, day. And based on not only the crowd size, but the engagement. I can right. tell whether something's going to work or not. And immediately I was like, this movie is going to make – the only thing that's holding it back is the R rating. But yeah. this movie it, – it was like uh, – uh, what was that uh, Tom Cruise – Top Gun 2 level. I was like, holy shit. These people are really into – people wow. just getting killed. Like there were was like it, at least three people. Was it packed too? Was it – It was packed and people nice. were just all over – all about it. It was a lot of fun. The movie plays just like the first three, but – 
probably it's a, it's the most John Wick of the John Wick movies. It is just yeah. all out John Wick, and it plays like a live action video game. Like in fact, some of the uh, extras behave as if they don't actually they're not actually real. Like there's uh, there was a scene where there were there was a fight sequence. There are a lot of fight sequences, by the way, uh, in at a dance club, like like in Germany or whatever, and all of the extras are just flailing their arms as if they're dancing to the music, but they're not dancing with the person they're in front of. They're just kind of in their... Everybody's in their own world. So they did a literal... They did a literal non-playable character thing. Literally the, that. And, right. and there would be occasions where, like, somebody would bump into you, like, if you're a non-playing character, and you'll, like, look back, and, and you go back to just flailing <laughs> your arms. Literally <laughs> right. like a video game. It was While ridiculous. everybody else in the club is getting shot up or what have you. Stab, right? shot. It is right. chaos. No one is afraid for their lives. No one's like, maybe I should seek shelter so it this, is yeah this movie's pushing three hours right is it, it is, drag no there's no drag but it's again going back to the video game comparison it is like to fight the the, the final boss you have to go through these obstacles first right. so they send them uh like random assassins hey there's a bounty 20 million let's make it 30 million and now like so taxi drivers in on it any bum this or right. person who didn't have a house uh, uh is in on it <laughs> Everybody is in on it, and the one thing I will say— you said you said the big fucking number. Congratulations! Now everybody's going to try to kill him. <laughs> but what's weird is that the the people you know they 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 tell you they're doing this obviously for the money, but they behave like zombies, like you know Last of Us zombies or your typical zombie movie zombies. Because yeah, it'd be nice to make twenty million dollars, but when. John Wick is just like beating the shit out of you, or you see your friend getting like shot. Like, all right, what am I gonna do with this money? Like, with a broken leg, right? I would disengage. But they are pursuing John Wick as if they're zombies. Like, he's got like brain that they want to eat. Right. It's very weird. Um, and also, but there's good a movie? It's good movie. Uh, one last thing I'll say is, and this may be a controversial opinion, but you know, this movie, uh, the first one had the dog thing where they killed the dog. Nobody liked that. Right. Uh, in the fourth one, there's an assassin who has like a dog, and he would sick him. I go bite that guy in the nuts, and then I'll shoot him, and we'll make a great team. And I'm like, okay, now you're now this is not like an innocent dog. This dog is right. participating. <laughs> right. This in dog this. can be put down. Yeah. This, and this dog this is, is fair play. Despite all the carnage and mayhem, this is a popcorn kind of movie. Everybody just body energy, everybody's relaxed, eating their food, enjoying the ride. But anytime it came close to like, is this dog going to get stabbed or Sean? Everybody's concerned. And I'm like, no, no, no. This is not like the first one. This dog is fair game. Stab right. this My dog. Dog's get rid of this dog. Yeah. Because at the end, this dog, this was uncalled for. After one of the kills, he pees on one of the bad guys. <laughs> like, that's fucked up. Again, in John Wick 5, that dog's got to get his. But otherwise, a great movie. Oh, good. Anything else that you saw? I, I saw it at home, Dog Day Afternoon. It was a, a lot of fun. Uh, it was a totally different movie than John Wick 4. I don't know. It's probably because they only show you the good movies from the 70s, but like my everything from the 70s seems to be good. Like They did a lot of good movies from the 70s every movie that i've seen maybe it's hbo's curation uh, but i think probably that's it yeah but <laughs> I'm like, wow. you're watching the good one uh, there was a lot of dog shit in the 1970s uh let's see Lori was gone i watched uh the the two towers i've been watching the lord of the rings uh extended editions because they're on hbo max so i can just kind of flip them on when i'm making dinner or otherwise like folding laundry or something 
And so I watched about a month ago, I probably started this and I got through fellowship and now I've gotten through two towers. I had forgotten how good those movies are compared to a lot of the other schlock that's come through in terms yeah. of these big blockbuster sort of fantasy or, or comic book movies. The first one especially is just so fucking good. And I'm into Return of the King now too, and that's also good. And there's something about these enormous characters that have fucking drive and sincerity of purpose that just feels so completely out of left field now after 20 years of Marvel. And, right. and and the sort of detached irony of comic book movies in general, which is a fun attitude at times, right? But when it becomes the whole fucking culture, like when, when it becomes everything, it just it's a absolute breath of fresh air to have actual characters uh, treating their the things that they want, to have these enormous stakes and to have everyone involved treating it with absolute sincerity. It doesn't mean like I love detached irony as a as a response to overwhelming sincerity. But when it's just constant detached irony right. uh, and the stakes don't fucking matter at all, then it becomes incredibly pointless and tiresome. Uh, but but, but uh, to go back to the Lord of the Rings again after all this time has been uh, sort of almost shockingly rewarding emotionally. Like I, the first one is an incredibly touching movie. And, and part of it is just that a lot of the dialogue is written by, you know, fucking Tolkien, like a yeah. great writer, right? Like these are stories that were written by a master uh, operating at the absolute top of his craft and then adapted by somebody who cared a great deal about it. And, and it's just been great. I, I love these movies. I can't wait to share them with the kids. And part of the reason for the rewatch is to see like, are these movies that I could show to my kids at this point? And I think mostly the answer is yes. Like they're violent, they're very boring. Uh, but but mostly they're they're long and boring, they're as Laurie very would say. Intensely boring. I I just completely disagree with that. I think it doesn't that, mean it. They're so boring. I think that they are incredibly engaging, and I think that the kids are just about at the right age for them. And we're gonna uh. do that now. It, it, there's some like. Some spooky, like the orcs are fucking terrible to look at, right? Like there is no getting, yeah. they're just disgusting and scary monster type things. But besides that, like I think they can basically handle all of it. Laurie, uh, you 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 call all the this uh, these movies boring, uh, you know? So I've seen the first two in theaters, and I was holding out for Return of the King for it to return to the theaters. And what do you know? It's 2023, 20 year anniversary. Uh, and next month they're going to release uh, nice. the Return of the King, but they're not releasing the original cut. The oh, the four-hour one. Four hours and twenty cool. minutes. Yeah, four like four twenty-seven, I think, yeah. with the credits. Yeah. yeah, yeah, buckle in. Yeah, I'll still watch it, but it's, that's a lot. That's the most. I don't think I've ever sat through four hours. It's a long movie. I went and saw Return of the King at the midnight showing when it came out. Uh, the first time, as I recall, and that that version was only like three hours and ten minutes or something, but the the extended version is four and a half hours. But well worth it. There's there's good stuff oh, in the extra we'll scenes that, that they include. I also watched a movie that I've been wanting to watch for a very long time called The Lobster. I finally got around to it. Oh, how about it with Colin uh, Farrell? Yeah, Colin Farrell's in it, and Rachel Weisz, and a couple other faces that you recognize, and then you have to Google them up and see what else you've seen them in. Uh, it was it was weird and wonderful, and I'm mad at myself for not having watched it uh, when I'm a little I kn- mad at you for watching it without me, but whatever. Yeah, well, it's been on it's been on my radar for 
seven years or whatever it's been since it first came out. And I've finally now gotten around to it. Uh, and it was great. It's super fucking weird. It is. It's a, on an ex- uh, HBO, right? It's on I HBO. I like weird movies. Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't watch those war movies that I don't want to watch <laughs> or your fucking Ernest Hemingway documentary. I went away for two weeks and you watch one of the movies that I wanted to watch. Well, it's fine. We can watch it anytime. Oh, I will yeah. gladly watch it again because it is just that weird. It's just you're like a you're just a bad person. <laughs> and then, of course, we had to start uh, the television again because HBO brought back uh, season four of Succession. Abe, did you catch the I, first episode of season four? I did. I, I uh, very much enjoyed the first two seasons. I thought the third season was kind of a drag because it was just kind of nothing was happening. You know, the second season ended like, hey, we're going to go after old man and then nothing happens in the third season and now they're saying this is the final season so i assume just things will happen and i look forward to that i I thought the first one was pretty decent in terms of uh plot this this show's got nothing it's the same fucking shit it is but that's why it's good that they're ending it right because it's good that they're ending it uh so that's my my large complaint about the show is that it's about almost nothing it's about this one thing and that's fine it's fine for a show to be about one thing uh but it's the same fucking thing all the time and i'm just sort of bored with it uh but they keep you engaged with some of the best dialogue writing in the history of the medium right (laughs) like the the dialogue is just fucking spectacular and that it and it's believable because these are all because of the class of people that we're talking about here, like the the things that they say and the fact that these are the people saying them, like would these people actually in real life be slightly dumber? Probably. But right. Kendall is pretty fucking dumb. And right. like they are they are perfectly willing to show the vapidity and the stupidity of these people in a way that a lot of other shows that aren't just straight comedies right. aren't interested in doing. Uh right. But it's weird it, that every uh, uh, sibling is like a different flavor of awful. Like the presidential candidate guy is like, oh, $100 million to keep me above the one. I don't want to get bogged down below 1%. Right. You know? want to stay in – you don't want to be embarrassed <laughs> and get less than 1% of the vote for your independent presidential run that cost you $200 million. <laughs> they do very good – individual character work right they're very very good at letting you know what's going on with these characters and making sure that they're all sort of individually meticulously drawn all the way down to that character that you're talking about who's a nothing character but his fiance like they give they give these characters just even if it's just 30 or 45 seconds in an episode like She's this woman. She was a, a uh, an escort of some sort, like a high-priced call girl right. type thing who becomes his fiance after being a long-time girlfriend and like but like so she sold herself to this man over and over again for years and years and years and now they're going to get married and she knows what she's doing, right? Like she knows the score here. She knows that uh, in some ways she's still the same hooker that she was when she first got with him, but at least she's going to have this big beautiful wedding. And what they do in this episode is he comes to her and is like, "What if we have bum fights during the wedding <laughs> just to generate some social like instead like of this beautiful yeah. instead of this beautiful like 1% of 1% 
event billionaire class wedding where I make you the princess that you always dreamed you were going to be. Right. What if instead we just try to go viral for the free media coverage that will come with it shortly before the presidential election? And she has to consider that. Right. right. Like she has to consider that now she also has to sell her hopes and dreams about having a beautiful princess wedding and instead let Connor have his stupid fucking bum fight wedding. And that's the sort of thing that they do very, very well, which is just in this one moment. Yeah, you 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 do character work on somebody who largely is a is a meaningless part of this show. Right. Uh, and right. and that I appreciate, but otherwise it's still just fucking uh, television, and they're just doing the same fucking thing for an hour a week, uh, every week for the next ten weeks. Uh, but yeah, fine, good show, thumbs up. We'll keep watching it because it's uh, so entertainingly. Uh, also, because done. it's on HBO at nine o'clock on yeah. Sundays. Yeah, that certainly helps. Anyway, Abe, you uh, you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight. Then we will talk to you next time. Later. Oh, uh, this is uh, nothing related with uh, the news, but uh, over the weekend, I, uh, I I went to some uh, cherry blossom like music fest. You know, just like a family uh-huh. friendly thing. So like one half of the park had like kid stuff, and the other half they had like some like one hit wonder acts. Like they had a uh, band of horses and Hanson and some other. Whatever Hanson, no yeah, shit. Hanson was there. I, it rained out, so I didn't huh? catch their bop, right? Uh, but uh, on the kid side, there are different like slides and different little things for kids to kind of run around and play with. And one thing stood out: there is this big sinking ship, and I could see this from like the parking lot. And I'm like, that's the Titanic, like without even seeing the sign saying <laughs> Titanic. And right. then as I get closer, it is indeed the Titanic, and I'm like. Oh, that's neat. And I get closer, and it's a slide. It's like kids yeah. are just having... I was like, you slide I'm, down the Titanic. I've never seen that. Like, yeah. didn't people die on this thing? Like, this is, I'm not to be, yes. like, some worry but word. Not but not that like, exact one. That's the replica. <laughs> weird that they're like, wee. <laughs> you could paint anything else. Why the Titanic? You're going to need to write a letter and talk about <laughs> how this is deeply offensive. 1,500 people. Including to the Jack. memories of, <laughs> so long of ago. by the way, they're all dead anyway. The uh, disproportionate number of the dead, yeah, were uh, of minority status they at the were, time. Yeah. They were white, they were lower Irish. class. No, like they would Irish. have been Irish and Italian. Yeah. The the yeah. poor Irish and Italian in the steerage class who died, they would have been people of color, right? At yeah, the they time. were white back they then, were, right? They were, yeah. they were all white. Not back then, but uh, now they're white. But this is uh, this is deeply offensive. <laughs> the thing that I forgot to mention was the they come up with this number that like in excess of eighty percent of Americans hold at least one anti-Jewish belief in their hearts, right? Mm-hmm. And that uh, some excessive number hold six or more of these oh, wow. to be true. The first one, seventy percent of Americans agree with the statement: Jews stick together more than other Americans. And they they classify that <laughs> as something That's negative. That's a pretty weird thing. Weird. But is that even true? Like, what is that? I don't understand that. Probably if not. you were to say that about and so, but here's the point of the of what I'm saying here. So they would say that this counts as one of the things that give people a negative stereotype about Jewish people. I don't believe that the average person answering that question would answer it any differently about any other group, right? right. 
Do you believe that Asian Americans stick together more than other Americans? Yeah, sure. Do you right. believe that Black Americans stick together more right. than other Americans? Like, you are preloading into this conversation yeah. this divisive right. notion, and also to stick together is not an inherently negative what trait. The, what are the other? It ones? is you who are doing the bad thing by pretending that Jew is different than American.